Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Adam Harrison, who is a medical doctor, lawyer and leadership coach with personal experience of workplace bullying, working to make leaders kinder and create psychologically safer workplace cultures for everyone. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much, Jane. Thanks for having me. This is a, a huge privilege and, and an honour to, to be a guest on your show. So thank you very, very much for having me. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to it. Um, so, Adam, you're a GP, a barrister, uh, a life leadership and executive uh, coach, mm-hmm. and also a podcaster, a fellow podcaster. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Join the, yeah fraternity or sorority (laughs) I know it's fun isn't it so I wanted to ask you you know take me back how did you get into what you're doing you know how did you make that transition from GP to where you are now my career went through various iterations before I I ended up um kind of plumbing for general practice but I basically enjoyed lots and lots of different specialties and, and it just made sense and but when I when I started working as a GP, I I sort of struggled with some workplace bullying that I was experiencing from um, a couple of the partners in in one the first practice that I worked at as a uh, a long term locum um, doing a maternity cover, and it really kind of took the sheen off. And 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 at the time, the the kind of patient um, expectations and demands were sort of rocketing as well, and and you know, putting a lot of pressure on on us um, in the service. And so it was was then having had this, because this was about 2008, 2009, so having actually had an interest in medical legal stuff for for many, many years, uh, really since I was um, quite a senior undergraduate at med school, I was interested in doing forensic pathology. And then I started doing junior doctor jobs and a, and a lot of my consultant uh, consultants in surgical disciplines had medical legal practices and they would regale us with really interesting anecdotes, you know, of the cases that they've been involved in. So I, I think I'd always had a bit of an eye to combining medicine and law. So, um, yeah, it was I'd, I'd probably been working as a GP for about 18 months before I started working for the Medical Defence Union, one of the indemnity organisations for doctors. And that that work was was really really fascinating but when the cases were super interesting you had to hand them over to legal because the doctors they employed put us through like a nine or ten week you know blitz course on this is the kind of law bits you need to know to help our clients but obviously you know it wasn't in any way um, a substitute for having any kind of legal knowledge and, and legal grounding so I got quite frustrated when I had to hand it on and I, I'm a bit of a completed finisher and I was like I want to be that side doing that bit and and kind of um, doing the what I perceived to be the, the really interesting bit so that's why I went to went to law school and did my graduate diploma in law and then um, decided I wanted to do the more advocacy based uh, side of things um, and that's why I did the bar course as well so that's how I how I ended up in law <laughs> I didn't. Well, there's not so many dual qualified doctors and lawyers. It's an interesting combination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things, isn't it? When you're when you're in that kind of area, they just seem to be everywhere. 
like I could I could list about 20 just off the top of my head, doc, you know, dual qualified doctor lawyers. But when you're looking from the outside, they seem to be quite scarce. But yeah, so I, actually, when I quali- when I was called to the bar and, and um, qualified in that way, uh, we had a very uh, first child was very young and it just didn't seem like the good t- a good time to really be, you know, working as a pupil barrister on the kind of, you know, low income that you know that they get with the long hours and the lots of travelling to far-flung magistrates' courts for, where you don't even kind of cover your train fare in what you get paid, you know. And it was just like, yeah, maybe this wasn't the most sensible uh, thing to do after all. So I ended up not practising, but I went... Uh, I'd, I'd always kind of kept my hand in, in clinical medicine and I used it to do consultancy work, like medical legal consultancy work for medical organisations. And then I was, you know, kind of um, hinted that I, I would get this um, assistant medical director job for NHS England because they wanted someone who had some legal knowledge. And so I, I ended up getting into medical leadership and having a, a few different medical leadership roles. And it was while I was in one of those positions that I had some leadership coaching of my own and was exposed for the first time ever. Like most people, are, you, you don't really hear about coaching. And like my eyes were opened wider than they'd ever been before. And I learned a lot a lot about myself and I, uh, you know, my values, I'd never really considered in words what my values were. And uh, I just thought this is, this is sensational. I have to, have to get into this. And uh, so that's how I ended up qualifying as a, as a coach. Um, And this is where we are now. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting progression, isn't it? And there's obviously a point to it all as to how those all combine to make you the person you are today with the skills that you have and the outlook that you have and what we need what we need what the medical profession needs what your other clients need today so uh, so i wonder what you think of the times we're in adam and we had a bit of a chat before we turned the recording on thinking about you know we thought we we thought originally we were in a sort of post-pandemic scenario and now we realize we're in a cycle of crises (laughs) um, what you know what do you feel we need what do you feel your clients need at at this at this juncture well just to go back to your your first um part of the question the the times that that we're in i'm sure that all of your guests will say that they're they're very strange times indeed you know in the last few years we've had brexit and trump and boris and now his replacement and putin and war and and it just you know um from a leadership and executive coaches perspective it just seems to me like there's a, a huge dearth of good leaders in some of the most powerful countries in the world yes. um, at the moment and <laughs> in in terms of you know the kind of the crisis the downward the downward spiral of crisis that we <laughs> quite don't want to be a harbinger of doom or anything right but uh, (laughs) we we saw we as you say we originally say well you know kind of like a a health crisis you know from the pandemic you know but then we're in economic crisis at the moment we're we're kind of in you know moral and spiritual crises it's um yeah i i honestly i i feel i feel we're in quite dark times i (laughs) I'm a big I'm a big fan of the handmaid's tale I don't know if you are but I just think that that was so uh kind of 
prophetic in a way you know you know um i don't want to kind of get too unrealistic and, and bring and, and say that fiction is going to kind of come true but i i feel that um maybe i'm more acutely aware of this because i have young daughters as well i feel that the western world seems to be going a little bit backward at the moment i think there's there's more misogyny and and you know in terms of other kind of prejudices is certainly in the states and the uk i think there's more nationalism and more xenophobia and, and stuff and as i say i think a lot of this stuff triggers me because i'm married to a woman of color and so you know we have two young daughters of mixed ethnicity and um you know some of this definitely f- sort of feeds my my work and my my mission so yeah i mean don't want to bring the conversation onto onto a complete downer but i was i was just thinking well it may be a feeling that as a you know a, a white male in a in a white male patriarchal society uh that i have that things are going a little bit backwards but is there any is there any truth in that and uh i've looked at some statistics uh on you know the kind of um race uh race websites and um you know kind of women victims of crime websites and things like that and it does look like you know racially aggravated crimes and rapes and things like that are on the on the up you know so i i think things are going in a bit of a retrograde way at the moment these are pretty pretty you know heavy heavy problems to to solve you know and it's not something that i can really tackle but um yeah Uh, but the other thing we talked about again before we came on air adam was trauma and the sense that for all of us we all have unresolved trauma of some kind you know some of it for sure is very severe and others you know we have all survived some kind of trauma and often something from our childhood or early life and the sense that in a time of crises or cycle of crises as we say we're in now that comes to the fore you know that guides our ability to maintain some kind of balance in our own being in our own uh, mental spiritual and emotional ability to cope and and the perhaps we don't cope and perhaps that spills over into our own behavior and, and reactivity and i wonder if that's partly what what we're seeing right now i i completely agree and you know i think in in most kind of day-to-day mundane interactions where we're not being triggered um we can all kind of you know bumble along with without um being unkind or um uncivil or you know frankly hateful or whatever you know but when we're in stressful situations i think that and i'm not in any way um a you know trauma-informed psych psychiatrist or psychologist or anything i am actually going to do my trauma-informed coaching course soon but you know i do i do feel that these things that are you know a a wee bit buried in stressful situations they come to the fore more and they uh, you know they kind of direct the unpleasant direction of travel um that that kind of ensues my sense is, and I don't know if you you would feel the same, is that what we may have reached in society is a tipping point of trauma, because trauma is not only our own personal trauma, but it's historic generational trauma. You know, what happened to my mother? What happened to my grandmother? How did that influence their parenting skills, their ability to connect 
And I'm interested in that now being a mother and a grandmother, a mother of two daughters and a grandmother of three granddaughters. And so you see that transition and those parenting skills playing out. I have to say I'm very, very proud of my two daughters when I watch them as mothers. But it is interesting to think, you know, we're all carrying generations of trauma. And I wonder if we've kind of reached this tipping point as a society where we haven't fully learned how to deal with that and so it's uh, and in this time of crisis it's just spilling over and we do have this divisiveness and this misogyny and all the other things that we just don't have the skills to deal with most people are not trauma informed they've not been trained they don't know they haven't done their conflict management training that i deliver so they lack the skills and awareness to even see what's happening to them yeah no i completely agree um and i think one of the other aspects is that we we are now at a point in society where we are a bit more open, a bit more open with ourselves and with others. Still, I see a lot of people who are really closed off, you know, in the medical profession who don't want to admit that they have symptoms of depression and they're very high functioning. And this is how people, you know, suddenly out of the blue, like uh, Dr. Gale a couple of weeks ago, commit suicide, you know, and... Um, Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, within workplace bullying, you know, people just won't, uh, won't admit that they're, they're victims of bullying in in the medical profession. Uh, It's still very taboo and stigmatized. But but other than that, I think the general trend is that we are willing to um, acknowledge and admit things more than our preceding, you know, generations were, you know, it it just wouldn't have been the done thing, would it for a a man in in the 19th? 20s or 1930s to, to to admit any kind of weakness you know yeah. so I think that's a, a you know a positive thing moving moving forward and that may be why there seems to be a bit of a floodgate phenomenon to this because people are you know kind of choosing to get get some help and the help's available like so, the help- I mean that's on a positive note then you know and, I, and one of the questions I was going to ask you is what do we what are we learning and what do we have the opportunity to learn but I think this opens up an opportunity for those that have the full sight to see that learning about themselves is perhaps the way forward I you know I think you can't transform the world if you don't transform yourself I feel and so the opportunity for those that see it is to work mm-hmm. on themselves to understand themselves and their evolution their history better and then say so what does that teach me about where we're at in society yeah Um, yeah for sure i mean self-awareness or mm -hmm. insight um is another term for it is one of the basic tenets of emotional intelligence you know and so self-awareness empathy and 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 for me the the kind of you know people talk a lot about empathy and it's so 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 important but self-awareness is crucial as well um, and you could argue you can't really be empathic unless you're you're self-aware. But for me, the one that isn't really mentioned that much and, and you know, going back to how kind of aggressive some people can be in interactions is emotional regulation. I think we are just yes. really bad at regulating our emotions and we're just so quick to fly off the handle and be reactive, you know, and it's stress that does it. I, I know that, you know, on the days when I'm, a grumpy old git to my 
young daughters is because they've they've triggered me you know and i and it stressed me out and then you know i kind of bark at them a little bit but um but do you have a hot tip there adam you know from your you know what what would you do to self-regulate what might listeners do if they recognize that sort of grumpy person aggressive person coming to the floor and the thing is well firstly i think yeah in terms of recognition we we tend to know the things that are going to trigger us they tend to be in my experience, uh, parenting and and work, working with humans, you know, as a GP, <laughs> there are there are themes, there are patterns, you know. So it's like if something's kind of like you know annoyed you before, then it's you know you can sort of see it when it happens again that uh, this is going to annoy me again, right? So it's just like li- listening for for those things, for those cues, and then just I mean, you know, we. I'm a I'm a a big um, believer. I'm not a huge practitioner of. I'm a big believer in the benefits of meditation. But you can't just kind of you know whip out your your kind of like Zen self in in that moment, right? So the only thing you can really do is actually just acknowledge that that's something that has kind of like triggered triggered you, and just and these things take huge and huge amounts of practice. Is just taking a pause and taking some really deep breaths you know and uh, maybe doing some box breathing i would say to you know p- people who are in the the heat of the moment of that very um overt almost school playground style bullying where a consultant on the ward and this has happened to me just balls you out in front of uh, your colleagues and patients and things like that because that has definitely happened to me mm. is actually just to just kind of accept it's going on acknowledge it and just try and center yourself just try and concentrate on something else almost like a distraction you know center yourself on your on your heartbeat or your breathing or your navel or whatever yeah. um but then just take, do that box breathing and have those deep breaths which kind of you know calms down your your fight and flight mechanism calms down the sympathetic nervous system and brings your your vagus into um interaction more with a bit of parasympathetic overdrive so that that's always very very good uh lots of deep breathing and then i think you have to have some time to process these things um as well subsequently Um, one of the one of the techniques we would use in mediation as well as the you know stop and center yourself and breathe mm. to just reflect back to maybe the maybe the angry consultant yeah. what i've just heard you say and then he yeah. hears himself again you know what i've just heard you say was x and yeah yeah instead yeah. of arguing with him you just say yeah. what you just said to me was yeah or, you know maybe you've got an audience of other junior doctors standing around and they all listening and go oh yeah, yeah. he did just say that so yeah. that can work as well without being you know provocative necessarily interesting yeah, mm. yeah no i i agree and i think is there's so many so many variables and confounding factors in those situations you know the confidence of the individual and the the actual scenario and and kind of where you are and if you feel empowered to be able to say in in front of other people in 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 that like one of those situations I actually let the tirade happen and then after that I just kind of uh, told my colleagues I, I need to I need to go and kind of get myself together left the ward the time I was very junior, we lived in hospital accommodation and my wife was actually happened to be, stop, 
She's not my wife then. <laughs> my wife, who was not my wife then, was yeah. um, was in the accommodation, and um, I just went and told her what had happened. And, she, and yeah. she's a very very strong person. She's like, you need to go and find him, and tell him what happened, and tell him how it made you feel. And that's exactly what I did. And you know what? He had clearly very little insight and empathy because uh, when I told him, this is what happened. And this is how I, I felt at the time, um, and I, you know, I feel like I've been berated, kind of unreasonably. He's like, you know what, you're right. I hold my hands up. I apologise. It's a cardiac surgeon. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's interesting. I, you know, I have worked also not. I'm not a doctor, but as a as a a lawyer and mediator in the uh, medical field, and mm. um, yeah some some doctors have uh, expressed the similar situations to to me is that you know how do we, how do we how do we deal with this yeah uh, very very challenging in the heat of the moment and of course you know at the same time you're supposed to be looking after your patients aren't yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, they are yeah, suffering yeah. because you know you, you've had to leave the ward and other yeah. are affected and maybe the person whose bed you were standing at the foot of as it, watched all yeah. this you know the yeah. knock-on effect of some of this uh, you know this behavior uh it's 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 huge you're absolutely right i mean this was in a bay like a, a, a bay of four beds yeah. there was no way that all four of those post-cardiac surgery patients could not have witnessed what happened yes. there were a team of about 10 people around so there were all these bystanders yes and you know, there are studies that show that not only the um, the best thing for me to have done was what I did, which was to leave the ward and not have any patient interaction straight afterwards. Yeah. But unfortunately, there are some times where you experience that and then you get your on call and you get bleeped and someone's really unwell and you have to go and see them straight away. And you can't, you know, kind of delegate that to anyone else. And then you're obviously not at your best because you're distracted by what's happened. And that patient outcome is going to suffer quite markedly. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, all of the patients that the bystanders are dealing with as well after that situation will suffer. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely huge when you think about it. So what you describe then, and so you're going after having chatted to your 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 wife to be, uh, was what we call nonviolent communication. You simply went back to the consultant, and again, mm. I'll just sort of you know illustrate this for listeners, is it, you simply say, when you did or said this, this is what I thought, this is what I felt, and then yeah. leave it for the person to reflect back to you. And usually it's, um, I, I I didn't know, I hadn't yeah. got a clue, you know. Because yeah. um, uh, that's but, normal, isn't it, to them? That's that's the thing, that behaviour is normalised. They they were on the receiving end of it for, exactly. for a decade as trainees, exactly. and it's just normal. I mean, talking <laughs> about bullying, in one of my mediations years ago, uh, I had a senior manager who was accused of bullying someone. And he said to me, look, he said, I've worked at this organization for 20 years and that's how I was treated. He said, it's my turn now. And he really genuinely meant it. You know, yeah. it was just like, that's how we treat people around here. I've now yeah. got a level of seniority and I'm just doing what I learned, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. And it, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. I always kind of like, you know, use the um, doctor in the house, the Lancelot Spratt kind of um, dinosaur consultant as an example. But it it is seen by some as a rite of passage, yes. you know, or it's and I hate this term. It's character building. Yeah. 
and I'm like, I'm sorry, by the time I'm 30 or whatever, I think I've got enough character built into me. I don't need any of your nonsense <laughs> to, to give me any more character. Thanks so much. Um, but, um, you know, I and we were, um, I was in Australia and is living in Australia and New Zealand between July 2019 and July last year. And I was tutoring um, Indigenous medical students in Australia mm. for, uh, for Flinders University. And uh, I had two of them um, out of about t- 10, I think I tutored all together, who came to me uh, wanting some advice because they had, these were students, right? Not even junior doctors, really unpleasant interactions with consultants on the, uh, who head the teams that they were attached to. Yes. And it's like, but you're the head of a team. You should be affording some pastoral care to those in your charge. You have a duty of care for these students to have a good experience, not for you to be unkind to them. It's Yeah. So it's still going on. And it's yes. really rife in Australia, unfortunately. How sad. And, you know, I think it is to a degree I understand in the in the NHS, in the medical profession in this country, but something and in many workplaces. I mean, mm. like you, I deal with bullying in the workplace. So one of the things I wanted to ask you from the sort of leadership perspective, Adam, is mm. where do we go from here and what can each of us do as individuals? I, I truly believe that each of us, you know, instead of looking externally for you know, the next leader, you talked about there being a dearth of, of, of leaders for us to follow. Mm. If we are leaders in our own right, what mm. does each of us need to do in this time to sort of create a better society? What, what are your thoughts there? I think that, yeah, so self-leadership, as you've alluded to, is absolutely vital. And it's, it's like everything. Everything begins with self, I think, you know, self-care, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup if you don't look after yourself. You can't look after your clients or your patients. Self-kindness, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, and, and ultimately self-leadership. And actually, just as an aside, all of these things, not just self-care, but self-kindness, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, are actually have been demonstrated scientifically to be um, consistent with better health. Mm-hmm. So all of those things. And then communication is key and this this is your area of expertise but be open to learning how to communicate better and just chatting with a a colleague recently doctors are taught you know ad infinitum how to communicate well with patients but they are never taught how to communicate well with each other no i know (laughs) so be open to that especially how to listen better you know and i'm i'm not hugely religious but you know i'll just say you know if this is what you believe, God or Mother Nature or evolution, or but God, God gave us two ears and one mouth. I love that. I love that little saying. You know, so we should listen twice as as often as we speak. Um, yes. Learn how to respond um, better, i.e., not be reactive, not fly off the handle. So work on our emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and your your area very strongly. Learn how to handle conflict better. You know, in, the, in kind of my my model of helping doctors regain and reinforce their self-confidence starts with kind of confidence and and self-esteem and things like that and then more advanced things are assertiveness training and conflict management stuff so you know kind of like get the get the the basics in first and then and then you know so it's so useful for everyone to go on a, a conflict resolution course you know even a short one yes and get some insights but yeah and i think really 
once we're kinder to ourselves, we can be kinder to others, but we just need to be open to developing a growth mindset around all of these areas. And then I think uh, the goodness will flow. Yeah, I, I do feel hugely optimistic about it, Adam. I think we have reached a tipping point in society and we've got to make this choice. And to be honest, it's not it's not much of a choice really, is there? Because, you know, it, look, it looks as though we go into the abyss if we don't choose the yeah, kindness yeah. route. And, uh, you know, I love the idea that we should be kind to ourselves first because many of us are not kind to ourselves. No, no. And actually... I did a, a first face face talk I'd done for ages about about three weeks ago. Um, actually got got out of my home office, got out of Nottingham, got down to London on the train. So exciting! Oh. And I spoke at a an NHS workforce conference, um, mm-hmm. and I, I I spoke about the title of my talk was the the benefits of kindness in the workplace. Yes, and I spoke to about two hundred and fifty nhs managers and senior hr people and i asked them to raise their hands if they were regularly overly harsh to themselves and over half of them raised their hands Mm. so yes we are uh, quite unkind to ourselves Mm. so i i think that's my big takeaway from this really is let's (laughs) let's be kinder to ourselves because that will create a kinder workforce uh and society at, at yeah. large and and that's really where we want to go except we seem to be stuck in our together <laughs> you know the thing about being kind and you know kind of like you know including people in things and giving people compliments and and you know kind of like you know giving really nice positive you know constructive po- positive feedback in okay. terms of um teaching people a a kindness practice yes uh, it sounds very simple basic straightforward but not everyone actually has the confidence to give compliments to other people or to yes involve other people and take them under their wing because actually there's a certain basal level of confidence that's required to to even do that yeah so it it takes practice you know um to to develop a, a kindness practice takes a lot of work um but it's it's possible it's very possible Fascinating, because I see that with my granddaughters, you know, and they're quite young. Uh, one's about to be four and the other's 18 months and just over a year. But, you know, teaching children even to be kind, it's something we have to learn almost, don't we? We do have to learn that <laughs> there is yeah. a better way than hitting each other over the head. To yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. And But it's the um, it's the intention that's key, isn't it? You know, you have to you have to want to to do it and you have to have you know, that kind of inclination. And uh, and then if the intention is there, it will come. Yes. So Adam, what would be your, what would be your message? What message would you like to leave people with? You know, we've talked about a lot, actually, coming out of this or coming into, I suppose, this cycle of crisis, coming out of a pandemic and then into a cycle of crisis. Yeah. Uh, and and leadership in these times what what message would you like to leave people with okay well I mean first it's not all doom and gloom there are there are some pockets of of hope you know and this is not going to be an, an accident in any way that the people I'm about to mention are are all women because as you know I, I have a, a podcast that's around female leaders exclusively yes. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I look at obviously Angela Merkel, who's, you know, now kind of retired from um, right. politics now, but but people like her in New Zealand, which is kind of very, very kind of dear to my heart, Jacinda Ardern, the the Finnish uh, premier, Sanna Marin. I think there, there are some 
you know movements in the right direction so so that that would be one thing there's there's hope for sure hope. we've talked a, a lot about kindness and i don't want to um over egg that pudding but i do have a really nice quote by um quite a famous american rabbi called harold s kushner mm-hmm. who says do things for people not because of who they are or what they do in return but because of who you are yes do things for people not because of who they are or what they do for you in return but because of who you are i think that's really really lovely we talked a bit about about self-compassion and you know i mentioned that kind of hand hand raising survey at the conference i spoke at but mm. i think we need to start treating ourselves as we treat our best friends or how we would like others to treat our parents children spouse you know we need to start treating ourselves like that and then finally i would say for me values values driven work and values led work is so so important and my my core values um that i uh, learned those years ago when i was coached for the first time are honesty justice gratitude love and humor and i think we need to live love and lead by our values and do work in alignment with our values and i'm sure yeah. you you can speak to this with more erudition than i can but i i feel that if people are in working situations where either their team members or their bosses or their organizations values are different from their values and there's that misalignment that's kind of leads to a lot of kind of disharmony and discord and that's when people aren't happy and that's when kind of problems can arise it does adam and i think the work that i do and i've been working with some gp practices as well people do not know what their values are they haven't done that work that you and i have probably done to say what are my core values and and what are the values that underpin this team that i work in this gp practice that i work in but they don't they don't know what those are and it, it yes it's a hard piece of work so just to, to just to finish off uh, what what are your values again honesty justice gratitude love and humor excellent and love and humor no, so i always bring um humor to my to my work yes um, with my clients um love and humor gratitude honestly justice it, it the, the justice one just makes me laugh because uh it it kind of makes me think that obviously i didn't know what my values were when i embarked down that legal route but it was almost preordained that i was going to study law and do a bit of law at some point and then i realized subsequently oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> uh, and i as a lawyer also feel that justice in the times we're in is is absolutely so important i think it's one of the things that we have to keep our eye on is something just is it fair um yeah 100 100 um yeah no i think uh, that's where the, the bullying piece comes in as well you know being being willing to speak up and call things out often on behalf of others you know i, yeah. I think a lot of my bullying problems as a as a target stemmed from the fact that i was quite confident and i was willing to speak up and say you you can't ask that doctor who's just done 24 hour on call to do another on call because you're short on the rotor that's just not fair and then I, I got a target on my back and, and was bullied as a result. But you know what? I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. No, I agree. And so for me, speaking up and speaking out in society right now is something that's hugely important. One of my values as well. So, Adam, if people want to find you, could you give us some contact details, how people find out more about you, how they find you if they'd like to have a conversation with you? Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jane. Um, so um, my email is doctor, so dr.adamharrison, all is one word, two rs, one s, at gmail.com. 
My website is www.dradamharrison, all is one word. Again, that's just dr.com. Um, my podcast is Inspiring Women Leaders, and that's on um, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and uh, the Buzzsprout website. Um, LinkedIn, I'm just Dr. Adam Harrison, and I have a YouTube channel as well, which is Dr. Adam Physician hyphen coach um which has all my podcast episodes on as videos and some other goodies as well so brilliant adam it's been such a pleasure and i've been looking forward to uh recording this with you thank you so much i hope you might come back another time and update us on your work but thank you so much dr adam harrison thank you so much jane really appreciate it Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunn.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes. Thank you.